Al Jazeera Podcasts. The year is 1992. A right-wing Hindu mob descends on the northern Indian city of Ayodhya. They're heading to a piece of land they believe to be the birthplace of the Hindu deity Lord Ram. There is a mosque on the site, built in the 16th century, but the mob tears it down. The incident sparks riots across the country. On Monday, more than 30 years later, a Hindu temple is inaugurated on that site. January 22nd. 2024 is not just a date on the calendar. It marks the beginning of a new era. It's the delivery of a decades-long promise by Prime Minister Narendra Modi's Bharatiya Janta Party, or BJP. Now that that promise has been fulfilled, what does it say about the extent to which Hindu nationalism has taken root in India? Under Modi. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Hi, I'm Charu Sudan Kasturi. I'm a senior editor with Al Jazeera English. I'm in Doha, in our headquarters. I spoke to Charu on Monday, right after the inauguration of the temple. Charu, today was a big party for millions of people in India. My heartbeat is really racing. I simply can't believe that we are actually able to see this today. We were not really hopeful of seeing Lord Ram today. I cannot express my feelings in words. It is so overwhelming. That is how I feel. But before we talk about that party, I want to go back in time a bit to the same site in 1992 when the Babri Mosque in the Indian state of Uttar Pradesh was demolished by a right-wing Hindu nationalist mob. What do you remember about that day? And how significant of an event would you say the tearing down of the mosque was in Indian history? I was a a very young boy at that point. I was uh, about to turn 10. But what I remember very clearly about that entire period and that day were images on the television of a nature of violence that we hadn't seen in modern India previously, where a major religious structure was being torn down by a group of people who were clearly driven by passion. It wasn't as though they had sophisticated tools or weapons. They were using literally hammers and sickles and very bare instruments, but the intent was very clear to demolish the domes of an ancient 16th century mosque. And very quickly after that, you saw the the pulse of the nation in a sense change. Uh, you had major religious riots across the country. Mumbai was the epicenter of some of the worst riots in that period. Uh, you had hundreds of people killed. Soon after the after the demolition itself. Uh, It was winter and I remember all of us uh, on a train going to Mumbai uh, 
me and my family and mumbai i remember was filled with saffron flags belonging to the bharatiya janata party which is the party of the current prime minister narendra modi and the party that was at the forefront of the movement that led and that culminated in the destruction of the babri mosque and also the flags of their close hindu nationalist allies at the time called the shiv sena seen by many and held by subsequent government reports to be fundamentally responsible for some of the worst riots that we saw in mumbai in the aftermath of the demolition of the mosque it was a young learning a early learning for a young boy in how before my eyes in some ways i could see that the country was changing so fast forward to when prime minister modi has consecrated or essentially inaugurated the Ram Mandir, a Hindu temple on the site of the Babri Mosque. Building this temple had been a goal of Modi's BJP for decades. They believe it is the birthplace of the Hindu deity Ram. There were even BJP leaders accused of inciting the destruction of the Babri Mosque back in 1992. So what does it say to you about how India has changed that this goal of the Hindu right to build a temple has come to fruition. I'd say it's it's important to kind of take a look at the way India responded in 1992 and the way India has responded to this moment today. Back in 1992 when the mosque was torn down, sure there were celebrations among the far right among the Hindu majoritarian political viewpoint, but for a vast majority of indians especially in the public eye there was a sense of shame and as you said fast forward today when modi consecrated the temple there were literally signs of joy and celebrations across the country there was very little reflection about what had happened in the years that had gone by you couldn't if you if you were to look at the television channels if you were to listen to the radio if you were to read the newspapers you would have barely found any mention at all of the bloody legacy that led to this moment really to me what that says is that india today is a far more religiously polarized society than it was back in 1992 back in 1992 the principles that held india together were not necessarily religious alone today religion seems to be a far more central determining factor in terms of how people view themselves and their role in india One of the things Prime Minister Modi um said at the consecration was that this was the the dawn of a new era for India. What do you think that actually means? Is there a sense of victory for Hindu nationalism in that statement? I think he's right. It is a new era because the India that that Modi represents and that temple's consecration rec- represents is indeed very different from the India that the founding fathers of an independent nation uh, had dreamt of and that was kind of enshrined in the Indian constitution 7 decades ago but the way modi meant it is really as a triumphalist victorious moment for hindu pride and when i say hindu pride hindu pride in the way that he and the hindu far right in india view Hinduism and the lens through which they view India frankly and that is a lens in which Hindus according to them have been victims of muslim invasions the colonial period under the british 
and have only now 70 years after independence under modi regained their place and their primacy in india mm. and the temple consecration according to them epitomizes that moment after the break the policies and shifts in society that have laid the groundwork for this moment Welcome to Necessary Tomorrows. My name is Ursula. I am an AI. And I have inferred from your online activity that you have been feeling more dread than hope when you think about the future that is coming for us here in the 2060s. So I have created a course just for you to enhance your capacity for imagining different futures. Necessary Tomorrows, an audio series by Doha Debates and Al Jazeera. Find it where you listen to podcasts. So, Charu, there was a whole lot of fanfare leading up to and at the event on Monday. Tens of thousands of people came to Ayodhya. Celebrities flew in on jets. Kids had the day off school. People streamed it around the world. Did you watch? I did, but that was because I was working. (laughs) But you're right. It was definitely a moment that a lot of people were celebrating across India. Uh, It was being shown in cinema theaters and a whole bunch of other places, neighborhood watch parties and all kinds of things. There are schools upon schools in India uh, where teachers and schools and institutions have been asked that they have to live stream this event for their students. It's It's not really posed as a suggestion, but I would just caution against concluding on the basis of that, that all of India looked at this moment with unbridled enthusiasm. Mm. And I say that for two reasons. One is simply the role of the mass media, unfortunately, in India today. Uh, Historically, independent India has had a fairly robust and independent media. Today, you have a very different scenario where most people in the mainstream media are effectively cheerleaders of the government. It's not a media landscape which challenges or poses questions of the government very often. Narendra Modi, among the foremost, if not, if not the foremost global statesman of the world today. I love the way, didn't you, that the Prime Minister gave it back to the patronizing question on democracy and dissent in the White House. You have a scenario where one government and all the institutions of power kind of try and enforce it, and there's no one to challenge it. So, rather than just looking at this in isolation, it might be useful to understand where it fits within the broader agenda of the Modi government. What are some of the things that have shifted either politically or in society since Modi came to power in 2014 that have laid the groundwork for this moment when you have an Indian prime minister consecrating a religious temple? Until 2014, which is when Modi came to power, Exhibiting your religious identity in mainstream politics really wasn't necessarily seen as the most normal or appropriate thing to do. It's not as though India was perfect before 2014. Religious divisions existed, but those were mostly whispered at home behind closed doors. What Modi did was he normalized the ability of people, of of individuals and mobs alike, to go out and publicly articulate their deepest biases and stereotypes and views about Muslims in particular, but religious minorities more broadly, 
in the public space uh and that fundamentally has changed the way indian society functions because today it is therefore no longer inappropriate or problematic in the eyes of many in india for the prime minister of a still at least on paper secular nation to be blurring the lines between king and priest to be blurring the lines between the head of a government of a nation and someone who's actually a participant in deeply religious rituals pertaining to one faith and that to at a contentious spot so those lines have been blurred by modi for modi but fundamentally for everyone else and that is fundamentally the change that's happened in 2014 or that has subsequently allowed as a consequence is the government to bring in a range of policies and laws which are discriminatory against muslims one of them being the uh, decision to bring about an amendment to india's citizenship law in a way that fundamentally introduced a religious test towards citizenship for the first time the new law would allow non-muslim religious minorities from neighboring countries like bangladesh to claim indian nationality critics say the law undermines india's secular constitution and is blatantly anti-muslim that led to massive protests across the country the government went ahead and passed that law in parliament without any debate without any discussion just as it has done subsequently with many other laws we saw that when the indian government under modi uh scrapped this provision that existed in the indian constitution that gave the state of jammu and kashmir which was india's only muslim majority state a state of uh, some sort of semi autonomy uh, that was scrapped in 2019 uh and the state itself was turned into a federally governed territory what does that mean for india's muslims india's christians or people who believe in a more secular version of india has there been any visible pushback to things like the ram mandir or is there just a sense of resignation that this is the direction the country's taking There's definitely been some pushback but I would say for the most part there is overwhelmingly a sense of resignation at this point uh about the direction this country seems to be taking there is pushback from political opposition parties but here's I think where all of that becomes even more important throughout indian history governments across the board have used religion and religious polarization to cover up for their other failures very often and it's not as though modi and his government can necessarily claim a ton of success on several other fronts the economy isn't doing badly it's definitely growing well it's the fastest growing major economy but joblessness is very high you have generation upon generation of young indians who are graduating from colleges but are unable to find jobs when all of that happens and you have uh, trade unions and others who kind of raise their voices and try and protest when those pockets of resistance come up uh religious polarization of the kind that we're seeing around the temple in ayodhya uh, unfortunately only help the government in power you know divert attention from those concerns and and get people thinking about something that's more base in terms of the way they they may approach their lives and that therefore appeals to people uh and i suspect that that's what we're going to see happen unfortunately uh in the days and weeks ahead hmm we've talked about india's minorities but as you mentioned modi is popular 
So what does this mean for Hindus in India? What This all can't be manufactured from the government. How are people feeling? I think there is a there is a large section of Indians who think that that Modi has been good for them. Uh, Hindus, for the most part, there is a sense that that Modi has been able to create among people, that he has delivered on the promise of allowing Hindus to be able to exhibit their religious beliefs, their faith, and their and their numerical dominance in this country without any inhibition. You know, go about with the confidence that they are the majority community and demonstrate that in a very visible way. But I think there's another element to this, uh, which I think is important. Modi and his government have been very good at at packaging religion and all the politics around that. Uh, also in, in the guise of economics, Modi and his government have been very successful in in some social schemes that they have launched, which have helped people. So there's there's a lot of goodwill that Modi has gained also through those initiatives. There is the religious element and then the economic element. So you combine all of those elements and you have a, a man and, and an idea which is fairly powerful in terms of bringing a whole lot of Indians behind him. Well, you've given us a lot of context for my last question here. But finally, Charu, I want to talk about the timing of this inauguration because the new temple isn't even complete. So why do you think this is happening now? It's a it's a question that a whole lot of people are asking. The obvious answer to that question to a lot of people is that this inauguration or consecration has been timed in a way that it uh, coincides with the election campaign leading up to the general elections in India, which are due between March and May. The construction of the temple is expected to bolster the legacy of Modi in an important election year. By doing this consecration now, he creates a bit of a national fervor, a momentum that that in some ways could help him and his party, uh, the BJP, in the national elections. And yeah, to, to that extent, I think in some ways it would be fitting to see the consecration of the temple as effectively the start of his election campaign for the 2024 national elections. Charu, thank you so much for this conversation and uh, helping us understand what's happening in India today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Marika. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Ashish Malhotra and Chloe K. Lee. With Sariel Khalili, Miranda Lynn, Nikin Oliayi, Berenice Campana, Amy Walters, David Enders, Zaina Bazar, Khalid Sultan, Sonia Bagat, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Joe Plord mixed this episode. Alexandra Locke is the Takes executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back.